Welcome back to Detroit Stranged. Stranged? We're in the past? Stranged. <laughs> we so stranged. Um, not sure why I added the extra D. Because you can never have too much D. I, tr- uh, true. Yes. Yes. Um, <laughs> I was going to say, are we time travelers now? Kind of. I, I'll, I'll save it till we get to my topic. Oh, interesting. Intriguing. Oh. Yes. <laughs> uh, I, I got an interesting one today. I hope so. Unconventional. Ooh, interesting already. Yeah. I like all this um, foreshadowing. Yes. This foreshadowing. This mysterious mm-hmm, things. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I'm wearing a cardigan today, so that means business. It's a lovely looking cardigan. You look very cozy. Thank you. It's great. I put some fresh slipper socks on. It's going to be a great day. I, my footwear choice is very odd right now because I got some new Tevas yesterday. I don't know what that is. Oh, they're sandals. Oh, nice. Okay. They're like hikey, like outdoorsy sandals. You've okay. Seen them. You've seen them, I promise. Actually, I got two pair. I got one for hiking and one that's like more of a casual pair. Ooh. Yeah. I haven't had any in years and I really like them. Yeah. But I got two pairs yesterday. So naturally, I want to wear them. But today is cold. So I put socks on and I did the worst thing that I've ever done. Socks which is and I... sandals. Yeah. Uh, we've yes. all done it at some point. Nobody loves doing it, but we've all done it. Well, I haven't left my house and these yeah. shoes have never seen the ground. So I figure I'm just like breaking them in in my house and my socks. Right. Oh, for sure. Yeah. yeah but. My my roommate and I have this uh, discussion often, so I'm I'm afraid she'll see them. The worst is when you put um flip flops on, like the kind that go between your toes when you have socks yes, on. That's not that comfortable. Just looks weird. It's not, and it's not comfortable. comfortable. It looks weird. Well, like in Japan, they specifically make socks for that yeah. because, like traditional sandals, traditional like woodblock sandals, there you wear socks with. Do you remember when people tried to make them here? Except they made all the individual toes, and they were always like. Yeah, like they were like <laughs> gloves for feet. No, thank you. They were like Ronald McDonald socks. Um, they were yeah. Off- they were like no. Yeah, they're. <laughs> I had nightmares. My toes do not need that much individuality. They are a unit. Did you ever put any on? No. Okay. I don't know if they made any ever. My size with Hobbit feet. I think they came in all shapes and sizes and colors and patterns true yeah i never tried them on either because i was like that just looks uncomfortable like i have a hard time enough finding gloves that are long enough that's why i usually go fingerless because my fingers can just poke out the top and like it's not an issue but a lot of times with gloves it's just especially like oh when i used to work in the hospital i didn't have the extra large gloves and like i'd get like you could just like, it looked like I had webbed hands, basically, because the gloves didn't go down far enough. I don't exactly have dainty hands, and I have just been in situations where there's only like a small or medium glove, and I'm always like, it's not going to work, but we're going to try. And then there's like seven holes within four oh, minutes. Yeah. So oh, like yeah. Double tiny glove. Yep. Mm-mm. Nobody's uh, here for no. that. No. I think it'd be better to have a glove that's too big. Oh, well, I guess it depends on how, if it's like the falling is. off your hands big, that's not great. But you could like tie it at the wrist, I feel like. 
That's true. Do you know that like surgical gloves are like it's not just like large, extra large. Like you, you get fitted for oh, sterile gloves. That's smart. That is yeah. just called smart. Yeah, uh, I appreciate that they do that. Yeah, I am delighted to hear that. Because like I don't want anyone digging around inside of me and like, oh god, my glove broke, and then I'm like. I'd come back a month later because they're like, we couldn't find the pinky finger of the glove. We think it's like stuck between your colon and pancreas. Can we just like get in there real quick and get it back? You know, I don't want that. Yeah. No, nobody does. Yeah. Nobody does. Although they really don't like cut you open like that anymore. That's all laparoscopic now. That makes sense, but is also something I would not have thought of. Yeah. Like, just like in terms of surgery, like the bigger the hole, the bigger the risk of infection. So like laparoscopic makes a lot of sense because it's just like a couple small incisions. So yeah. if they can do it that way, they will. They're getting crafty in the surgery world. They're figuring it out. I am also grateful for that. Me too. Yeah. Uh, surgery scares me. Yeah. I mean, like I, I'm not. Um, if you were had surgery, watching, but no. Lucky. I was very scared of everything as well. That's not surgery, but well, kind of. I never, I didn't. I am already very clumsy. And as a child, I knew this. So I was very cautious. So I would get like hurt all the time, but never like anything large because I just was terrified of anything to do with anything related to dangerous situations. I think I've been under the knife. Over five times. Wow. Yeah. I think the last time I counted it was seven. You were a couple full of holes. dental. What? Oh, you know what? If we're counting dental, then yes. Like a few of those were dental. I mean, not that we need to get into my surgical history now, but like. I forgot about just, like wisdom I, teeth. They had a lot of surgeries. Yeah. I guess like I forgot about that region. And, like if you ever had like like local or not local the general anesthesia where they like put you out they knock your ass out i think just local okay i don't remember because it's been so few times and it's been and you wouldn't remember because that's the point of putting your ass out (laughs) because like literally i feel like it's like they have you count backwards from 10 that's like a cliche that exists that's very real like they count you back and then like you kind of just like open your eyes later and you're like, how huh. has like six hours passed? And now I am in pain because there's yeah. just things that no longer are in my body that were there before. I think that's great. Yeah. <laughs> we can, what an interesting good, topic we've got. Yes. Our, yeah. Would not have imagined this topic, to be quite honest. Yeah. No, we could we can move on. I enough trauma center. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, oh, you know what I've been watching recently? Yes. AP Bio. Interesting. I took AP Bio. Yeah. Uh, Jamie Moyer's on it. Oh, yay. I love her. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I believe she shows up in season two. Okay. It's wildly inaccurate about how schools are structured, uh-huh. but it is an entertaining show. It's on the Peacock. App, okay. Which- I accidentally paid for a month of after my free trial. So now I'm trying to get, get your month's get it all worth. in. Yes. Yeah. That's like the one streaming service I haven't looked at at all yet. 
There was something on it I wanted to watch really bad. Oh, I wanted to watch the Gacy. Oh. Special. Okay. And, yeah. And it was on Peacock. So got the free trial, finished that, forgot. Now I have it for a month. There are worse things. It's not but... terrible. It was like $5. Yeah. Yeah. But the show is funny and interesting. And if you can get past the inaccuracies, which I mean, like it's one of those ones, it's very farcical. So you have to. Yeah. It's kind of suspend belief for a minute. Exactly. Exactly. But do recommend. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. I've been more on a movie kick lately. Fantastic. Uh, on, like on Sunday, I watched Moonstruck. Mm-hmm. Classic because unfortunately, Olymp- uh, Olympia Dukakis passed. Oh, I didn't know that. Cher's mother in the movie. Yeah. Mm-hmm. She was also in Steel Magnolias. So I was like, on Sunday mm-hmm. night, I was between Steel Magnolias and Moonstruck, and I went with Moonstruck. Uh, it was a great I'm not choice. shocked. That yeah, not at all. Snap out of it. I was going to say, a movie without Cher and a movie with Cher. Which one am I going to pick? Yeah. It's a real, uh, real nail biter. I mean, the other one does have Dolly, but. But yeah, I do love Dolly, but like Cher. We know yeah. my stance on Cher. I have multiple I have multiple items of clothing that have Cher on them. <laughs> I have none with Dolly. You should yet. get some though. I was I gonna should. say you should get some. Dolly is fantastic. Uh but you also have to be prepared for at least one box of Kleenexes if you're going to do stale magnolias. Right. Like, I don't, I think that was also too. I'm like, I don't need to be like completely emotionally destroyed today. I think I can just, you know, a nice like rom com. Yeah, definitely. So, the other movie I watched recently was The Man from Uncle. Have you seen that one? I've never even heard of that one. So, it's interesting. It came out in 2015 and it kind of like, I mean, it wasn't a box office success that everyone was hoping it would be, but I think it's just because people didn't know about it. Okay. Because it's like an interesting movie. It's, I mean, it's a spy movie, so it's already got me there, but it's Henry Cavill, Army Hammer, playing a U.S. secret agent and a Russian secret agent that have to team up to, like, stop some Cold War nonsense from happening. So it's like kind of buddy cop movie but they're spies and so there's still spy stuff and you know cold war it was a tv show from back in the day too so like oh okay one of those like movies based on a tv show kind of brought into the modern age but it's still set in the cold war okay i enjoyed it it also made me realize i'm obsessed with henry cavill because he is the biggest fucking nerd and i love it like well, there you go yeah He's obsessed with computer games. Aww. Like, now I get it. Hardcore, pr- hardcore PC gamer. Aww. I'm just like, talk nerdy to me really works, you know? <laughs> That's fair. I mean, it is, it Plus is exciting. He is built when, like a brick shit house. It's exciting when someone has a niche interest that's the same as yes. yours and is built like a brick shit house. Is that yes. what you said? Yes. I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing because I've oh, never that's seen a, good a, thing. a brick shit house. He is sturdy. He oh, is sturdy. He is a solid hunk of man. He's going nowhere. One of my friends, uh, she was called sturdy once by somebody, and now it is our ongoing joke. But yeah, sturdy is not the most complimentary term all the times. Like it wasn't her favorite. 
No, I, I can understand like not loved being called sturdy. Yeah, and it it wasn't even an accurate assessment. I think it was somebody actually just trying not to be like overly like douchebaggy. Yeah, like and trying. I think trying he thought it was to... a compliment. That's what I'm trying to say. Right, like. He like did a little he just he overshot the landing, whereas like sturdy he is did. just kinda like what do you even mean by that? Probably nothing good. Yeah. I mean this it, you have to meet the source to understand. Like he is like one of the most genuinely kind people. Uh-huh. So if anybody else said it, I would be like so upset. You know what I mean? Like yeah. I would be going to somebody's house to kick him in the balls. But yeah. The, this human, no, he is genuinely kind and did not mean it, but it was just a very poor choice. Yeah. And I believe it has been brought to his attention multiple times since. So <laughs> I noticed you were sipping on something over there. Um, I'm, I'm really trying to do things. This is a gin and tonic with pineapple juice topped Ooh. with a little... Um, of a spice mix called Pico Fruta from Penzi Ooh. Spice. Mm-hmm. That sounds delicious. It is. I'm going through everything I own. <laughs> Makes sense. Yeah. So, cheers. <laughs> <laughs> I am drinking water, which I just realized I didn't even bring into the room with me. So. Oh, no, it's hard to drink that then. Yeah. But I've been drinking so much water today, so I think I shall be okay. That's good. I've been trying to. I support that. Yes. I had a mm-hmm. salad for lunch, too. Oh, look so at like, you. Who am I? I also made puff pastry, though, so just being good so I could eat that puff pastry later. That is fancy. <laughs> I will... I don't even know why. I think it's because like the past two days I've gone grocery shopping in the morning and got like a croissant from the the like the grocery store. Uh-huh. I got a nice croissant with egg and bacon. Mm. And I'm like, ooh. So I woke up this morning and I'm like, where's my puff pastry treat? That's totally fair. Yeah, so I'm gonna try and make some pan on chocolate later. Nice. I do I do love those like pastry treats like that. I also like the savory ones. Oh yeah. A lot. Like a nice like spinach feta situation or something. Just Uh, like pastry in general. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Now I want that. So Yeah, sorry about that. (laughs) Rude. Um, I don't have any pastries for you, but I do have a story. I would love a story, but after a very quick short break. Hey, folks, guess what? The Detroit Women of Comedy Fest is back, baby! We're going to be streaming across Planet Ant's channels on June 4th and June 5th. That's their Facebook, YouTube, Twitch. You get it. There's going to be so much funny stuff. We're talking sketch, stand-up, podcasts, live stream, workshops, special guests. Head over to DetroitWomenOfComedy.com to find out how you can join the fun. Yeah. And we're back. Story time. I decided to call this a Miss Frizzle style field trip. Ooh. Because we're going into the computer. Oh. Uh, I decided to do Detroit in video games because <laughs> the city's been featured in a few video games. And they're like, I don't know. I thought it was interesting. Yeah. 
I know there's that like kind of semi-recent one that always comes up when I search things. Yes. that one, I saved that one for the end because okay. I think it's the most exciting. But there's actually some interesting ones before that, including... Okay. um. So the first one I want to talk about was a game simply just called Detroit. Oh. It was released in 1994 as an MDOS or MS-DOS game. Okay. It was also released for the Amiga system. The Amiga being a, a family of personal computers released by Commodore. So I don't know if you've heard of like the Commodore 64 or the Commodore name. I think it's a British company. Okay, but, I will trust you. Yeah. So just like MS-DOS game. And it was a turn-based strategy game where basically you had to uh, run a car company. So like basically oh. you started off like in the year 1908 and you had 100 years to be come the most profitable company by the end of the game so what a doing, bizarre concept right like you're doing everything from financing the company research and development design testing production marketing wow like all in the game like you're trying to make your company the best auto company in detroit that's wow yeah it's weird especially in 94 i think this is like kind of when tycoon games are starting to take off like roller coaster tycoon obviously being the big one but then like you know they have like I had Mall Tycoon or in the early 2000s to build your own mall. So I think they just, it's a weird trend in video games. They're like, let's simulate a career for you. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So you start the game as one of four automobile companies. The other companies could be either human or computer. And the game even had built-in world events that could affect car sales like World War One, the Great Depression, World War Two, and the energy crisis of the 70s. I do have one question. Are Were they real car companies or were they like made up for the video game? They probably made up for the video game. Okay. I think it was just kind of like other players, like AI, basically yeah. AI players doing the same thing as you. So it wasn't like Ford, GM and Chrysler. Okay. So, think. yeah. I'm sure there was probably a way you could set those, but like, I don't think by default they were. Okay. I Yeah. I was just wondering if it was like a made up world or like what was it Tecmo Super Bowl or whatever where it was actual yeah. teams and stuff well there's much more recent <laughs> examples of the one I, I decided you picked to that use. one though because that was one of the like the games I had for my NES back in the day I just was, I knew somebody who played it and that was the only reason I don't think I've even played it it was one of those games I'd pop in and like have no clue what I was doing and like play with it for like 10 minutes and then be like I don't get it and just turned it off and then played something else probably went back to Mario that's why I played most of it <laughs> It was one of those games that an ex-boyfriend of mine played, uh, you know, on his vintage yeah. system. <laughs> uh, props to them because I couldn't figure it out. And I also just don't give a shit about football. So it was kind of just not the game for me. Yeah. He wasn't particularly like a football person either. Maybe it's I just the strategy yeah. of it. I think it was just also kind of funny. Yeah. Yeah. Um. <laughs> semi-problematic part of the game is uh, if you're in bankruptcy for too long, the game would end with a scene of your avatar jumping out of a window. <laughs> so accurate to life. Yeah. Just kidding. Don't do that. That's bad. But No. Bankruptcy <laughs> is solvable. Don't that is so the... terrible. Yeah. Right? Like... It only takes like seven years to pretty much like erase off your record if you don't right. fuck like... up in that or something like that. Yeah, so, like, pretty grim way to end the game, but, like, that was just, like, if you were in bankruptcy for too long, that's what would happen. Uh, so, surprisingly, it wasn't a super well-received game, like, 
Computer Gaming World magazine gave the game two out of five stars, citing it was more of a puzzle game than true strategy. But it okay. did spawn two other similar games called Gear City and Automa- or, yeah, Automation. Okay. So just like a weird little like game called Detroit. I, like I had never heard of it, so that was interesting. Mm-hmm. The second is a game called Ghost Hunter. Ooh, I'm in. Yes. I think this one I was like, <laughs> j- this one actually sounds like a game you would be you would like. So it was a third-person shooter game developed for the PlayStation 2 by SCE Cambridge Studio in England. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was released in 2003 in Europe and August uh, 2004 in North America. Mm-hmm. The game, unsurprisingly, is about ghost hunting. Are they shooting the ghosts? So like, it's interesting. It's like I kind of considered a mashup of like James Bond meets Ghostbusters in their survival survival horror game. Okay, because I don't know if they know this, but I don't think shooting a ghost is effective. Yeah, so, I mean, we're going to suspend belief for a minute. Okay. So the story follows a guy named Lazarus Jones, who's a rookie detective with the police, the Detroit Police Department. Ooh. And he accidentally releases some ghosts that were previously contained. Okay. One of the ghosts kidnaps his partner, and in order to save him, Jones has to go into the ghost realm. (gasps) Ooh. So he carried two guns, a handgun and a shotgun. And there were also other weapons that were powered by, quote, ghost energy that, like, take the form (laughs) of orbs when defeated. Like, when you defeat an energy, you get these orbs. Pretty standard video game trope. Like ectoplasm? Exactly. (laughs) So the goal was to capture the ghost by weakening them. By shooting them, because everyone knows the best weapon against a ghost is a gun. Mm -hmm. Basically, the goal, you weaken them by shooting them, and then you basically throw a capture grenade to catch the ghost, like Pokemon style, I'm guessing. Uh, Ghostbusters style. We're going to go Ghostbusters. Okay, okay. I haven't seen the original Ghostbusters, and it's been so long. (sighs) You do have a ghost sidekick in the game named Astral that, like... She had some cool abilities, but was not offensive. Like, she could be poltergeist mode where she'd throw objects to distract other ghosts, and she was able to possess the other ghosts, and also, like, float through walls, you know, just, like, ghost shit. The norm. Yeah. Spoiler alert if anyone's trying to play this game, which I don't think they are, but the game features a false ending where it appears that Jones is dead for good, and it even takes the player back to the title screen for a moment before starting again with a new character. Oh. So it's like, it's really, like I hate when games do that. They fake you out. And even the fact it went to the title screen to make you think like, oh, you fucked up. It's yeah. just rude. I would throw it. Right. I, I would not replay. I wouldn't play. I would be done. Right. Um, so the main character was voice acted by Robert Paulson or Rob Paulson, who also voiced characters like Raphael and Donatella from Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, <gasps> Pinky from Pinky in the Brain, and Carl Weezer from Jimmy Neutron. I love that. I've never seen Jimmy Neutron, but I do I I love I love voice actors. <laughs> yes. Uh so the game starts in Detroit at a fictional abandoned Montsay High. The two police are sent there to investigate unusual sounds. While there, your partner tells you that it was the site of a killing spree where a teacher killed 10 students and then vanished. Ooh, gross. Uh, Their cause of death was unable to be determined by coroners. While exploring, Jones finds a lab, pushes a button, that's what releases the ghost. Mm -hmm. 
Uh, the game was not very popular in when released in Europe and almost didn't see a North American release because Sony didn't want to publish it. But Namco was like, we'll do it. Like the North American release is kind of the better version because they made a bunch of bug fixes, making some puzzles easier and like, you know, just tweaking the game. Yeah. Uh, overall, the game has a mixed or average reviews, according to Metacritic, who scored the game a 69 out of 100. Uh, one thing it was praised for was its graphics. IGN even put it in their list of top 10 best looking PS2 games of all time in 2010. Oh, congrats to them. Yeah. So I'm going to do some quick drive-bys of just mentions of other games. So movie tie-in video games, obviously the RoboCop games, which I always forget that RoboCop took place in Detroit. I only remember because there's like that statue, but I've never actually seen it. It just comes up on like lists all the time. Yeah. I guess I should go look at it sometime. Maybe see the movie too, because like I've never seen it. I've like never really had the interest to see it, but I mean, it's set in Detroit. I've seen the musical. Okay. (laughs) Did not know there was a musical. Love yeah, that. Yeah, uh, it's 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 local, and I know it's been reprised several times. I saw it like three or four years ago. It was a lot of fun. That sounds like I love a good uh, local musical. Like you know, three like Detroit the musical. Great. Yeah, yeah. It was uh, it was behind Hockey Town in the theater that used to be the Second City like downtown space. Oh, nice. Yeah. Good times. Yeah. So there's RoboCop, the 1988 arcade version, and then there's RoboCop 1, 2, and 3, and starting in 2003, and there was also RoboCop versus the Terminator. Oh, I had no idea. Me neither. I think it must just be a video game. I wonder if it's like fighting. I didn't look up too many details, because I was like, I don't... Now I'm imagining Mortal Kombat, but those are the only two <laughs> characters yes. you can play. <laughs> combo <laughs> I do love Mortal Kombat, by the way. Fun fact. I did not know that about you. Love that. I actually, I got, I think, I can't remember if it's Street Fighter or Mortal Kombat, but I got one of them recently for the PlayStation because it was like the free game of the month. So next time we can hang out in person, we should play. Yeah, I used to always play the, the arcade one or like the... I don't think it was Nintendo. I think it was one after that, but like not long after that, maybe Super Nintendo. Was it the Genesis? Maybe John, this is, I don't even know. This is like 20 years ago. Yeah. My secret was I push all the buttons. That's the way to do it with those like, kind of games. It's <laughs> like, I can't remember all the combos. The combos. So I just mash and hope for the best. Yeah. Same. So next up in the drive-by category is racing games. So Detroit's been featured as like a level in the following racing games. Asphalt Extreme Battle Cars. Battle Cars? What battle cars? Yeah, battle cars. Some of these games. Yeah. The crew, Formula One built to win, Freak Style. Oh. Uh, Grid Autosport, Midnight Club Three Dub Edition, and Race Driver Grid. Also, there was like a weird, like kind of racing, kind of battle, kind of skating game called Skitchen. No. Oh. It was an EA game where you inline skate and like grab onto cars. That's what sketching is. If you're like on a wheeled thing like skates or a skateboard, you grab onto a car to pull you. Oh, Skitchin. I thought that was just something that happened in the movies from the 80s. No, it's apparently a thing. I remember doing oh. it in like you can do it in like Tony Hawk Pro Skater because that's about as far as my skating experience goes. Okay. He does it in Back to the Future. 
Yeah. It's been a minute. I've only seen that movie once and it was a long time ago. Uh, you sh- it, Well, all three of them you should watch. Okay. They are fun. Be- maybe it'd be a fun movie marathon. Are they streaming anywhere, I wonder? They no clue off the top of my head, but worth worth a search. Yeah. Uh, the third one, I think, I, I still really like the third one, but I don't know if that it gets the same love as the other two. But Mary Seenburden is in it and... Love her. I love her, so... Yes. Mm-hmm. So next category I have is appearances in franchise games. So Call of Duty Advanced Warfare. Detroit was one of the levels. The People Mover made the cut, oddly oh. enough. Like, that's the thing I've noticed is like, if there's a Detroit level in a game, everything else could be inaccurate, but they will have a People Mover. <laughs> it's like the one thing the developers just cling to. But in like this, because it's Call of Duty, of course. Instead of being just like the people mover, it was a gun mounted tram that ran around the city. I wonder if it's because like at a certain point, like that's kind of futuristic looking. Yeah. Oh, you know what I yeah. mean? Like more like yeah. yeah. It's got more sex appeal. Oh yeah. <laughs> the people mover. Yes. Oh, the people mover. Sexy. <laughs> that's what everyone thinks of when they think of the people mover. They're like, oh, I want to get those people moved. Let's move those people. <laughs> Honey. All of four blocks. Yes. That's my new dream job is to be the people mover announcer. All right, honey, let's move those people. Next stop, beep beep Greek town. I think you should apply. I don't think it exists, but I think you should apply. You know, sometimes you got to create your own path in life. I'm going to call true. up the Detroit people mover company and be like, hello, I've got these recordings. I've conveniently placed them on this floppy disk that I will give to you. Uh, yes, I, I, let's manifest that. Yes. For <laughs> so the architecture actually in this game looks accurate, but you can't really like make out any actual landmarks. Um, okay. That's really it for Call of Duty. It also made an appearance in Deus Ex series and the human, the third game in the series, Deus Ex Human Revolution. It's kind of like a dystopian future type of game where the elite can get body augmentations that enhance their abilities. And, like, normal humans kind of become the lower class. So, like, you know, typical dystopian mm-hmm. future. Yeah. Uh, the main character, Adam Jensen, is from Detroit, where he worked for SWAT. The Illuminati is involved. Oh. And so Detroit is a level in the game. And looking at the skyline, you can see the Rensen, one Detroit center, and the Penobscot building. And the people mover, of course, is there. But except in this world... It's the kind of monorail that, like, the train hangs down. It's like the rails on the top and the cars hang. Oh. It's like, I don't know why they felt the need that that was, like, the change they needed to make to the people mover. So, like, a roller coaster. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. I guess that's more futuristic and exciting. (laughs) Look, we use gravity like this. Yeah. Exactly. So in the story, the reason Detroit was used was because of its past as a thriving motor city and then its reversal of fortune leading up to 2008. Then a corporation moves in to start manufacturing bio-augmentations because if any city knows how to manufacture, it's Detroit. Oh, for sure. So, and that's kind of a theme I've realized too of like why video game developers pick Detroit as like a setting for their games because that's also a big theme in Detroit Become Human is like, while they were the Motor City, they built all these cars. What else could they build kind of thing? Oh, 
like what's the next industry essentially yeah. okay yeah uh, it also has like a city divided into the modern high rise downtown and dilapidated outer city and there are some other avail- locations available in the game like the detroit convention center and highland park oddly enough huh yeah i mean it's there <laughs> yeah so that brings us to our final game that I want to talk about, which is Detroit Become Human. And this is an interesting one. And I've saved it for last because one, mm. it's the most recent. Two, it's the only one on this list that I've actually played. And three, it's an interesting game. This is the one that, um, uh, what was the boy mayor? Oh. Boy governor statue was in it. Boy governor. I almost had his name. Sorry. Okay. If you think of it, just blurt it out. Mason? Mason. That sounds correct. Yes, we'll go with that. Yeah. So this was a 2018 game released for the PS4 exclusively for a year before coming out for the PC a year later. They call it an adventure game, but I don't think that's completely accurate. I like to kind of call it more of an interactive drama. I've played a couple of this studio's game, Quantic Dream. I'm about to go on this little side journey about them real quick because they're kind of, their whole shtick is interactive dramas and they kind of... They take a very movie-style approach to making their games, I think. Like, mm-hmm. the man behind the, these games is video game writer and director David Cage. He's a French dude. The Quantic Dream is uh, settled in French because, of course, Detroit is the Paris of the Midwest, so that is one reason why they picked this, of course. Yes. That's why. Yes. And I pulled a quote from his Wikipedia page just kind of to look at his approach to video games. It kind of sums up a lot. Quote, games always explore the same things. They're about being powerful, being good guys against the bad guys. That's a very tiny part of what can be done. There are so many other stories to tell, so many other emotions to trigger. This is a fantastic new medium. We can do much more than we currently do with it. Okay. That's fun. I like the ones with story much more. Same. That's yeah. story is really what drives me to video games because I love just the, I love the storytelling aspect of it. I say that like I play video games and literally, I've played like a game with you, and that's my <laughs> in the past like five years video game. I mean, you can dip in and out. I think this is one that would be fun to play together because it is in Detroit mm-hmm. and it is such an engaging story. Like, albeit flawed. I would play this one. I've. I mean, it. I've seen short videos of it and i just i like seeing detroit like like it's a different detroit but yeah that's what i think is so interesting what kind of like drew me to this topic is just kind of like it's such an interesting me- like video games such an interesting medium where like obviously if something's set in detroit in a movie wise they'll either come to detroit or they'll build a set as we're like in a video game they have to build the entire world they have to kind yeah. of like build the city yeah. And just like seeing how they choose to do that and the choices they make with it is interesting. Yeah. But so David Cage has written and directed all five of the games released by Quantic Dream. And those five games are Omicron, The Nomad Soul, released in 1999, Fahrenheit slash Indigo Prophecy. I think they changed the name for the re release. I don't know why it has two names, but that was released in 2005. Heavy Rain in 2010, Beyond Two Souls in 2013. And that one was interesting because. It starred Willem Dafoe and Elliot Page, formerly oh. known as Ellen Page, but Elliot Page. Yeah. Because that's the thing is all these games are like all of these games, at least from Heavy Rain and beyond, they're completely acted. They like put the 
actors in mocap suits, like motion capture suits, yeah, mm-hmm. and have them act out the entire game. Okay. Which is like why like interactive drama is interesting. And then, yeah. of course, Detroit Become Human. So I've played three of these games, Heavy Rain, Beyond Two Souls, and Detroit Become Human. That's what I was talking about. So this game actually started off as a tech demo called Kara. This came out in 2012 and was like a 10-minute, just like, 10-minute short showing an android named Kara being assembled and accidentally gaining sentience and emotion. Mm-hmm. And it was a very emotionally powerful tech demo, which is something the studio excels in is just like grabbing at your emotions and making you feel. Okay, so story, basically. Yeah. But people loved the tech demo so much, they decided, like, there's just so much hype around this tech demo, they decided to try and make a game out of it. And they even won an award at the LA Shorts Fest. Oh, wow. Yeah. So the game would take six years to make. The script alone took over two years to write. Mm -hmm. Uh, The game had a 30 million euro budget. Wow. And... He drew inspiration from 2005 nonfiction book about AI titled The Singularity is Near When Humans Transcend Biology by Ray Kurzweil. Cool. Yeah. So why did they pick Detroit? So similar to Deus Ex, Detroit was kind of selected the setting because of its historical contribution to the American industry and its subsequent decline. Mm-hmm. The thought again like in Deus Ex, that moving production of androids here would revitalize the city. And I have a quote from David Cage from an NLive article, quote, We traveled there with a team and were very moved by what we saw. We just continued this growth and just imagined what Detroit would be like if the android industry was using these big factories to build there. Okay. So, like, the whole, like, setting of this world is, like, I think it's 2038. I get to the exact year later, but, like, kind of, like, not so distant future, but like sometime between now and then the Android industry moved here and took off. Okay. Yeah. Um, so getting into the production of the game, like I mentioned, the screenplay took over two years to write. And even then another writer by the name of Adam Williams was brought in to flesh it out. Mm-hmm. There were reportedly over 5,000 pages of notes. Wow. And like the reason for the, the bulk of it is because unlike a movie where we see the character given a like, we see one path in a movie as yeah. we're in a video game. This is like, they have to create a whole flow chart. Yeah. That eventually comes back together kind of thing. Which actually pause really quick. Would you yeah. say that one choose your own adventure version of black mirror is a video game? I would put it in this category of interactive drama. Okay. Like, I think this, like this kind of genre that's like emerging of interactive drama is kind of blurring the line between like movie and video game, which I think is interesting. Yeah. So back to production, they had to cast 513 roles for this game, wow. which they hired over 250 actors for via casting sessions in L.A., London, and Paris. Mm-hmm. Uh, the game, though, is focused around three main characters that are like three sentient androids. Kara mm-hmm. from the tech demo, who is played by Valerie Curry. Marcus, who is played by Jesse Williams, who you might recognize from Grey's Anatomy. Um, I can't. You think he played Avery? I think that was the, his character's name. I don't know Grey's Anatomy at all. You've definitely seen this actor. I the name sounds familiar. I might actually look it up. Go for it. I mean, you can you can talk if you. Okay. <laughs> oh, so then the third android, his name is Connor, who is played by Brian Dechart. Uh, when I say played the character, I mean 
they voice acted and provided the motion capture used okay. for the character animation. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. So you've did you find him? Yeah. You've seen I've, him, right? No, but I've really? seen things with him in it, but he's like a smaller character in him, so I don't yeah. know. Yeah. I think like Grey's Anatomy is probably the thing he's known best for. It was just interesting seeing him in this. But um mm-hmm. so the motion capture is interesting because they basically they put you in these like suits that have sensors all over them. They also like put these 83 dots on your face to yes. track your face's movement. I love videos of actors in the motion capture things because it it's it's wild to see them. Yeah, it looks ridiculous, but yeah. like it's like Really, I think it's in the terms of animation and video games, it's really moved things forward because you can oh, kind yeah. of get how the thing actually moves. Yeah. I was, what was I listening? I was listening to something like months ago. It must have been a podcast or something, but they were talking about that. And they were talking about how it's interesting because like everybody generally gets captured like separately. So it makes like shooting schedules like in a weird way kind of easier because yeah. you, you kind of figure it out. And there is some like, I don't know that it's always more cost effective, but it can be. Yeah. But it's also, but I mean, like the, the animators, obviously. Right. Yeah. But it is really cool. Yeah. Um, In terms of movie versus game acting, it sounds like in acting for this movie or in acting for this game, they would do like 38 pages of script a day versus the average in the film industry is like six. That's what this podcast was talking about. I wish I knew what podcast it was, but that's what they were talking about. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So now I just want to talk about the gameplay a little bit. So the gameplay is basically rotating between the three main characters and their respective storylines, which eventually like kind of converge towards the end. Mm-hmm. Kara, like the first one I talked about, she gained sentience after being kind of like rebooted by this really unsavory dude who basically like bought her to be a housekeeper and care for his daughter. And after seeing signs of neglect and abuse on the child, she breaks free of her like subservient protocols and takes the girl to help protect her. Okay. Connor is an Android created by the company cyber life, which is like the Android company, Mm -hmm. which is like, I don't know if they're the only game in town in terms of Android making, but they're definitely the biggest. And so he was made by the company to hunt down these like sentient, androids that have like gone rogue that are causing problems because that's kind of an issue that's arising so like kind of like in the game andrew's been around for a minute but they're kind of like things are going wrong and so he's kind of there to stop them okay and then marcus who's the one who's played by jesse williams he's an android living in peace with his artistic owner who encourages him to explore his existence until he uh the owner his owner actually passes away and leaves marcus to fend for himself which turns into him starting a rebellion to release the under other androids from servitude. Oh. So those are the kind of like the three main storylines that you keep are switching between. And it's interesting because the choices you make throughout the game affect how those storylines kind of pan out. It's just like they put the flow chart in the game. It's just crazy to see like how many different options there are. And like what's interesting about these games is like the smallest decisions you make seem like insignificant, but when you look at the flow chart later, you see that like, oh, this had this effect here and you can kind of trace the story and it'll show you all the paths, which is interesting. Okay. Yeah. Like a map. Yeah. Um, so now getting to the actual city of Detroit. So developers were actually sent to Detroit to research and like kind of get an 
actual like real life idea of what the city was like and not just google maps kind of thing yeah that's good <laughs> yeah uh like i said it wasn't present day detroit but rather detroit in 2038 where it's no longer the motor city but android city mm-hmm. that's the kind of thing is like it's detroit android city yeah it's kind of like the tagline now um some real life settings used in the game some are a bit more accurate than others and some are just the name but they okay. had grand circus park capital park heart plaza greek town cork town which was probably one of the most like far off representations because like it kind of just looked like a residential neighborhood i mean a lot of cork town is okay there's the one strip of cork town that's not but yeah okay for some reason that's all i think of when i think of cork town but i guess i don't spend a ton of time in cork town i was gonna say unless you're going to a house yeah there's no (laughs) yeah okay so maybe that one's not that far off then yeah. Uh, the Ambassador Bridge, Riverside Park, uh, the Camden Riverdale, or not Riverdale, Camden Ravendale area oh, of Detroit. I don't know that one. It's actually kind of by Corktown. It's like a small section, and it's one that I hadn't heard of, but once I, like, Google rec- Google Maps recognized it and showed me where it was, I'm like, oh, okay. Oh. I think Camden's the street. Camden's the street, and Ravendale's, like, the neighborhood or area of Detroit. District? District, I think is the term. Okay. Ferndale. Ferndale made an appearance. Ferndale? <laughs> yeah. And I love it because not only did they have a people mover stop. Oh, wow. Like the people mover came all the way to Ferndale, which you know is a fucking work of fiction because they can't get public transit here. Like, no. You know, yeah. <laughs> not happening. It yeah. hasn't happened. Would love it to happen. It almost hurts to see it in the game. <laughs> I mean, it was supposed to happen. Yeah. Originally. Yeah. The other like weird thing about Ferndale is like they kind of almost had it like a harbor or like a shipping. Like because one of the things in Ferndale you find is like this like abandoned ship and like that's in the water. I'm like Ferndale's like not close to water. (laughs) I know. I know. It was just like they just plucked the name Ferndale and like so many places that are close to water. Right? I don't know why they were like, let's use Ferndale, the one that's not, like, I don't even think there's a creek that runs through fucking Ferndale, you know? Yeah, that's, oh, bizarre. Uh, but that tickled me, because yeah. I'm like, okay, I like would love to see people who have never been to Detroit who play this game come and see Ferndale. Yeah, <laughs> be very confused. Also, yeah. Also, what's interesting is uh, Belle Isle had been taken over in this game by this. So, like, basically, CyberLife, the Android company, took over uh-huh. Belle Isle to make its headquarters there. Oh, wow. So, like, yeah. Were they just trying to be, like, less accessible? Yeah. they like Because this company, like, I don't know. I don't want to get too much into the story, but, like, they're making Androids. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. The fair, only fair, game fair. in town. And so, like, yeah, I, like, just, like, weird stuff. Yeah, you don't need to say more. Yeah. yeah. No spoilers. Yeah. No, because it is a great, like, it's a great game. Well, I'll say this. It's a great experience. In okay. terms of gameplay, it can be a little wonky sometimes. And just like the story, because there's so many forks in the road, mm-hmm. sometimes things will be a little awkward. Where it's like, I couldn't. There was only like there was a finite number of options and like yeah. so many choices they had to account for. Yeah. So I can understand why it would be a little off at some points. Okay. 
But overall, the reception was positive. Metacritic mm-hmm. gave the PS4 version a 78 out of 100 and the PC version 80 out of 100. Not sure why that was a two-point point difference for platforms. Hmm. Um, one of the big critiques, and it's something that's been a common theme for Quantic Dreams, is a heavy-handedness in the fumbled storylines. Because sometimes, like I think in the Beyond Two Souls, he literally, like at one point in the game, the game stops and he's like, this is a metaphor. It's like, oh. yeah, dude, we get it. Like, Please don't. Yeah. Like the horse is dead. The horse is dead. The horse has long been dead. You can stop yeah. hitting it, sir, please. Oh, God, that poor horse. <laughs> also, too, just like sometimes I feel like they choose to be like bleak and just like over the top depressing just for the sake of like eliciting emotions. Like it's just kind of like, OK, dude, like this is just like such I like I also think a part of it is because like it's a French studio. Some things are just tragically French. Oh, and just like, OK. Yeah. You know, just like depressing for depressing sake. Yeah. I but, mean, every society has, you know, a different right. culture to it. And so a different way of storytelling. And, and again, it's an interactive drama, not an interactive yeah. comedy. So I would love to play an interactive comedy of Detroit, though, too. Oh, for sure. Like if uh, Detroiters, Detroiters, the game. Somebody make that happen. Some video game person, please make that happen. Yes. But that kind of brings us to the end of video games in and around Detroit. And like I said, I just think it's an interesting topic because um, just seeing how the diff- these video games are portrayed. And I have some pictures, too, of different screenshots mm-hmm. from video games that I'll post with the episode when um, it airs. I'm sorry. I don't have them ready right now, unfortunately. Oh, I see how it is. I know. I'm sorry. I'll get, I'll compile them and I'll send them to you so you can look through them. But I kind of didn't think to compile them before for some reason. I was like, oh, there's so many great pictures. I'll have to put these in the 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 post. Yeah, definitely. But yeah. So my sources are Wikipedia, fandom.com, the Call of Duty Wiki, a YouTube video from the channel Illuminated, all caps spelled with 3D instead of ED at the end. And okay. then... um. I'm live and the Quantic Dream website. Ooh, Quantic Dream. That sounds right? intense. <laughs> That's like the studio. I think it's a great name. <laughs> well, Very dramatic. It is. I want to say you could not have chosen a more you topic, and I love that. And I think that's I love that you combined thing your your interests and that's yeah. wonderful. I like Knew it wasn't going to be the topic for everyone, but it was one that I was super passionate about. Yeah. And as Trixie and Katya say, it's our show, not yours. So Yeah, no, that's, to- that's totally fair. And I mean, being somebody who's not into video games, I, f- I found it interesting because I I don't know. Some of and, just the things they yeah. came up with for this city are so bizarre, like the Ghost Hunter game and just like, it's just like I had to, I don't know. I was able to find all the video games set in Detroit and I just parsed through the ones that were interesting. Yeah. Well, thank you for that. Thank you for taking me on a journey I never knew about. A Miss Frizzle field trip through the computer. Yes. Uh, let's come back to regular size now because we clearly had to shrink down for that. Yes. We like got turned into electrons. Yeah. I always loved it when they had to shrink down for things. Oh, yeah. But. Field trip class. <laughs> beep, beep one of the one of the best book series and cartoon shows i forgot it was a book series 
Yeah, I think it was a book. It was before the cartoon. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I imagine. I just kind of forgot about the books. I read the crap out of the solar system one where they go visit all the planets. I it it was look it was in rough shape. Oh, yeah. At the end, because I loved that book. But would you be up for a little game I like to call Two Truths, One Lie? Of course. Two truths, one lie. Who will be the victor? Yes. So you're talking about watching movies. I, of course, watched one of my favorite movies. And that is Bridesmaids. Solid movie. Solid fucking movie. Yeah, yeah. One of the best. Love it so much. And I came across a Mental Floss, of course. Yes, we love Mental Floss. Yes. Hashtag not spons, but if mental flaws yeah. hit us up. Please do. Please do. And also a website called Fractinate for just a little. A little extra. Yeah. A little extra in there. Yeah. So number one, Paul Rudd was cast and filmed whole scenes in Bridesmaids, but it all ended up on the cutting room floor. Okay. Fact number two, Rebel Wilson and Matt Lucas became roommates in actual life a year after Bridesmaids in West Hollywood. Okay. Fact number three. The engagement party scene was filmed on location at a house that is actually used as one of the houses on the series The Bachelor. Interesting. Okay. I feel like I'm going to go with number two as a lie because I feel like they were roommates before the shooting happened. Uh, number two is true. It was after. Damn. Okay. Yeah. Uh, also, just fun I fact. I knew they were roommates. Rebel. Yeah. Rebel Wilson originally auditioned for Melissa McCarthy's role as Megan. Oh, my God. Mm-hmm. And um, as did Bill- Busy Phillips. Okay. Yeah. And a few other people as well, obviously. But uh, when Rebel wasn't cast, though, they were so impressed that they wrote her the part as the roommate. I love that. I love when yeah. that happens. Yeah, me too. I think the same thing happened with Aubrey Plaza and uh, Parks and Rec. Okay, that makes, yeah, that makes, it's usually like a very distinct character because they see yeah. something in that, that performer. Yeah. yeah. And she was actually, uh, she was paid $3,000 for the role. Oh. Yeah. But it was also like, she was already known in Australia at the time, but that yeah. was really like a breakout role Yeah, to get like a larger, you know. She's doing fine now. She's yeah. great. And it gave her a lot of exposure. So I'm sure she's not upset by yeah. that one bit. Okay, so two is true. Mm-hmm. So the first one was what again? Yeah, uh, Paul Rudd was cast and filmed a whole, whole scenes in Bridesmaids, but it all ended up on the cutting room floor. Okay, I'm going with that one as the lie next. Uh, that is actually true as well. Oh my God. Yeah, there was a whole thing where he and, he goes on a blind date with the main character, Annie, and uh-huh. apparently a lot of craziness ensues. It is on the DVD and the extras, which I didn't know and now i have to watch yeah and well he did a good job the director paul fig believed that the disastrous date actually complicated the narrative like it just kind of muddied it up a little bit i could see that yeah i was like it's probably a better choice but i'm glad that it still exists so i can see it right exactly yeah Yeah. so it's not a bachelor house it is not a bachelor house it was actually wayne manor in the batman television series interesting okay And it, I, it had a few other credits, too, but that was the most notable one. But definitely not The Bachelor. Yeah. But it looks like it could be, so. Right, right. 
You got me. <laughs> yes, I did got it. Good girl. Ooh, I'm on. I'm on a two week high because I believe last week I got the lie. Ooh, yeah, it's a rhyme. <laughs> and now you're rhyming. I don't know. We're not keeping score because no, no. But I was doing real bad on both ends for a while. So this is my comeback. Yes. Yes. You triumphant. Two truths, yes. one lie. Come back. <laughs> but of course, I do have some extra things because oh, of course, that yes. movie's fantastic. So we love a fun fact. Yes. Uh, Kristen Wiig actually hated the scene in the bridal shop, the results of the food poisoning. Uh-huh. And it wasn't part of the original script, but the gross out humor was added by Apatow. And yeah, the tracks. Yeah. On the podcast awards chatter, Kristen Wiig went on to say, quote, when people say, oh, we're going to give more female centered movies a chance. You're not reading the fine print, which is, oh, but they have to be like this. They want to see women acting like guys. Yeah. Yeah. I was like, it's unfortunate because it was a great scene, mm-hmm. but knowing that does taint it a little. Yeah. I was like, she's not wrong. No, not at all. She's absolutely on the money. Yeah. I mean, I don't think it ruins that scene. <laughs> scene is. I think it's more so about the much. standoff with her and Helen about Jordan Almonds and just yes. like, yeah, just the tension they built. Yeah. Yeah. So at least it was done well. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I also like when Lillian runs into the street and she goes, oh, oh, you're doing, you're doing oh. it. Oh, you're actually doing it. You're shitting the Ooh. street. Oh, shitting the street. Yeah. Uh, the original script actually, too, had a lot more dark humor in it, including a scene when they're running around looking for Lillian before the wedding. Uh-huh. And it, in this scene, they were supposed to come across a dead body then stop and say, it's Lillian. She's dead. Oh, wait, it's not Lillian. And then keep running. Oh, I love that. Yeah, but it got cut because I guess it was a little too dark for some people. Uh, John Hamm was actually Ellie Kemper's high school drama teacher at St. Louis High School. No shit. Yeah, which is just mind boggling. Uh, They're both amazing. And yeah, and actually, too, he is uncredited in the movie. Interesting. Mm -hmm. It was his idea because he was known as more of like a drama actor at the time. But uh, like well known because you know Mad Men, yeah, and so he didn't want it to kind of like taint Track. the comedy appeal okay. of the movie. Yeah, interesting. He just seems like a really good guy too. So I think you like, think, yeah, <laughs> I think he seems like a he'd be a douchebag in real life. I don't. Not from everything I've heard of him. I knew I knew somebody who met him at a bar once in Eagle Rock near L.A., uh-huh. and he was just blown away by how nice he was. Okay. Yeah. We have to reevaluate. Yes. Um, so the sex scenes in the movie were actually very symbolic. So in the one with John Hamm, Ted, Annie keeps her bra on, showing that she's kind of like closed off to him, doesn't really trust him. He's trash. Yeah. And But the scene with Chris O'Dowd as Nathan, she's fully topless to show that she's kind of more at ease with him and trusts him yeah. more. Which makes sense. That was very purposeful. Like yeah. on Kristen Wake's part. The nervous flyer on the plane next to Annie is actually Wig's co-writer, Annie Mamolo. Yeah. Orig- yeah. Originally, she was supposed to have a more significant role as a bridesmaid, but she settled on a cameo after learning she was pregnant a few months before shooting was to start. Ah, uh, gotcha. Mm-hmm. Apparently, too, I didn't write this down, but she went through two pregnancies during the whole arc oh of creating this movie. Yeah. Melissa McCarthy got inspiration for the character Megan from Guy Fieri. Oh, my God. 
Oh my god. <laughs> Bravo. Yes. Isn't Bravo. that the, <laughs> isn't that like the best thing? And it makes so much sense. Yeah. I was like, I can't put this in the two truths and a lie because it makes too much sense. Like right. this has to be a fact, a fun fact. Yeah. Chris O'Dowd, who plays Nathan, was both was supposed to be American, but after Apatow heard O'Dowd's audition, he did it with an his natural Irish accent. They changed it for him. Love that. Yeah. Uh, the bachelor party or the bachelor party, the bachelorette party never actually makes it to Vegas because Apatow believed it would be unfavorably compared to the hangover, which yeah. was two years before it. And so they rewrote it. I think that's fair. But also, that's one of my favorite scenes <laughs> because Kristen Wiig in that scene. Those are like, well, there's so many good lines in that movie. But <laughs> when she is messing with the flight attendant. After having the stove, <laughs> help me, I'm poor. Kind of names that you're not a midlife. You're not a man. You're an appliance. No, I'm actually I'm Steve. Not an appliance. What a kind of name is Steve? Or stove. I also love. I um, like, there's a colonial woman on the wing of the plane. <laughs> it, it like, <laughs> I love that scene. Yeah. Um, a lot of people know this, but I do love it. So I'm throwing this anyway. Melissa McCarthy and Ben Falcone, who plays the air marshal, John, are actually yep. married in real life. Oh, yeah. I love that. So I just he had to say He plays a cameo in a lot of the movies that she does. Yeah. yeah. Especially the comedies. I don't remember if I saw him at all in Can You Ever Forgive Me? I don't um, think he made it. Oh, I haven't seen that yet, actually. I, I watched So yeah. good. Honestly, my favorite role from her. Oh, Interesting. I love how versatile she is because she yeah. really is fantastic. Like, she's one of those people, too, where, I mean, my first introduction to her was Suki on Gilmore Girls. Yeah. And that character is so wildly different from anything she's done, you know, since then because she's just like this cute little. Did you know she's in Charlie's Angels? The, um, like the 2000 whatever one? The, no. Like one with Kristen or Cameron Diaz and all that. She plays. Have you seen that one? No. Oh, okay. She has just like a, such a small role, but like I was watching Charlie's Angels earlier this early mm-hmm. last year. And I'm like, is that fucking Melissa McCarthy? And it was. She plays like the nervous office worker who's like walking Lucy Liu to the conference room where Lucy Liu's about Aww. to like give like a very corporate like, here's how you get results kind of speech as like basically she was a business dominatrix. Okay. Yeah, she just I I I ugh. and She's another person who just seems really genuinely oh, yeah. amazing and good. She has made some stinkers. Yeah, who cares though? I yeah. don't care. Yeah. Just listening to her talk as herself is also oh, truly God. amazing. Like on the podcasts and stuff or interviews, like I just I, I love her. I might have to watch the movie Spy tonight now because I remember it existed and that mm-hmm. that's what happens. I want to watch the movie The Heat. <laughs> I love oh, the movie, that's the a Heat. great one yeah. too. Yeah. <laughs> I love her and Sandra Bullock together. Right. So good. Um, sorry, now I'm laughing. No, you're good. So, and then last but not least, back to Bridesmaids. There was five years between the time the first word was typed for the script and the audience saw the film. Okay. Yeah. So uh, they pitched the idea for the movie in 2006 and it hit theaters in 2011, which I just, I like thinking about those things because like, I think we take for granted how long it really does 
yeah. take for people to produce things and create things and Especially make them like, like original stories. Yeah, yeah. And it's like they can keep churning out these fucking Marvel movies every year. And like I don't, I don't know. Those are pretty original though too. No, like they definitely are, but like they're based on something. I I need to stop shitting on the Marvel movies because I actually like them now. I was gonna say, aren't you a fan now? I am. Just force a habit. Mm-hmm. It's always my go-to when I always think of just like movies that get pumped out. They do get pumped out, but also trolls. I'm... I will fucking I'll shit on trolls. Okay, okay. Although the first one was cute. I didn't see it. <laughs> I didn't they see it for a very long time, and then I saw one, and I was like, "Oh, that was kind of cute." Okay. <laughs> I don't hate that, but but yeah, I will always defend a Marvel movie though too because they are really good at world building, and I think that's hard in and of in and of yeah. itself. So they're not making the characters. But they do take some liberties with the characters. They've oh, created yeah. a new version of them. So, yeah. yeah. Uh, but yes, for something to be non-existent in the world, completely non-existent, and to people to come together and create an idea. And they were really dedicated to I read something where Annie would go visit Kristen like on set, like in Mexico, so they could yeah. still write and things like that. Oh. Yeah. And then actually the reason the movie got off the ground is... Kristen Wiig was in Knocked Up and Judd Apatow really, really liked her performance in that. And they were talking and he urged her to. I've never seen Knocked Up. It's good. I mean, I haven't seen it in a long time. I did watch her scene in it today, actually, just because I was like, let me refresh my memory about it. Because it's not like a huge, huge role, but she does yeah. a she does a good job. Uh, she plays the character pretty perfectly. And yeah, it it's a good movie. I'm not going to say it's my favorite like Apatow movie. Which one is? Bridesmaids. <laughs> oh, sorry. I forgot that it was one. Anyway. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know why. Like, knocked up. Like, because that's Seth Rogen and Catherine Heigl, right? Yes. Yeah. Um, which Catherine Heigl, where's she been? Who knows? But for some reason, like, do you have like movies that you like associate with another movie just because maybe it came out around the same time and had the same actor? Yeah. Because, like, for some reason, I always associate Knocked Up with uh, Zach and Mimi make a porno or Zach and Mimi make a porno, <laughs> which I have not seen. E- not. I haven't seen either of them. But... I've seen both of them. They're very different uh, and very. But both Seth Rogen, right? Yes. Yeah. Okay. I think that's maybe why, because like I feel like they came out similar time period. Only that's... crossover. <laughs> oh, for sure. For sure. I don't know why. I think it's just because, like, I think I think it's just I go Seth Rogen that time period, and for some reason, knocked up is always a fellow in mind. A couple thoughts later of that movie. Okay, that's fair. That's fair. Uh, again, I forgot have about not that seen movie. either of them. Yeah, I I used to be a big Kevin Smith fan. So I th- oh, was that a I, Kevin Smith movie. Yeah, I believe so. Now I'm gonna fact check it because I'm gonna sometimes I talk out of my ass, but I am a hundred percent. I need to get better about directors because that's like the I feel like that's the part of the movie I don't focus on enough. Because you can definitely like see the through line with a lot of movies and their directors. Oh, for sure. Yeah. Yeah, it's definitely Kevin Smith. Totes Kevin Smith. I'm not great at directors unless it's there's specific ones that I know a little better. Like yeah. I, said, I was. I mean, I still am, but I was a huge Kevin Smith fan, like not right after Clerks, but. Chasing Amy was probably the first one I really, really liked. I've seen neither of those. I mean, I was 
a kid to a teenager in the 90s. So I think it was like a prerequisite for me to yeah. see at least one Kevin Smith. I definitely heard of Clerks and Clerks 2. Yeah. Clerks 2 is very different from Clerks 1. Well, Clerks 1 was made like low budget. Like, yeah. Yeah. The Clerks cartoon show is actually my favorite of the Clerks. It had six episodes, very short run. I have the DVDs. I think I'm one of four people. But it, <laughs> the humor in it is great. And he, I mean, he's had some flops. He's had some that weren't as good. Like, and I, I feel bad for saying Melissa McCarthy's done some stinkers because who hasn't? Like, you I know? think it's just part of it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, if you're not, then right. I don't know. You, you just got to get you yourself out there. Like if right. you truly, truly don't like something, don't do it. But if you really like the process of it and you like acting or you like directing or you like writing or right. whatever, you got to, you got to do what you can. Yeah. So, so I think, I think it's okay. But I do believe that wraps us like the end of a movie shoot. Yes. And we're wrapped. We're got, we got to go to a wrapped party. So, uh, Let's wrap mm-hmm. this up. Yep. I hope there's puff pastries. Oh, you know there will be. <laughs> so if you want to find us on our social medias, you can find us at Detroit Strange on Instagram and Twitter, Detroit Strange on Facebook, and our email address of DetroitStrange at gmail.com. Mm-hmm. And as always, we'd love it if you'd subscribe, rate, review. Those would be great things. They help the show out. We've also got Patreon, and we've also got a Threadless shop. Just look up Detroit Strange on either of those. And yeah, I think. Until next time. Yeah. Stay strange. This has been a production of Planet Ant Podcast, powered by Pinecast. Our theme song was recorded by Detroit's own Sax and Violence.